Good morning. You've got the, uh, the new young curate and you've got the ancient assistant minister this morning. <laughs> it's good to see you all. We're going to start this um, series in Proverbs this morning and it will last over three or four of the Sundays during the summer. Um, be ones that people will probably dip into and out of as they take time away and so on. So that will then lead us up to a new autumn series. As we come to consider the nature of wisdom, let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you give us. Thank you for the reminder in that last verse of the reading that creation was founded in wisdom that in all the beauty and the wonder that we see around us in the natural world, it stems from the wisdom in your heart. Open our hearts to receive that same wisdom this morning, we pray. Amen. What's needed to live a life in all its fullness? I guess if we did a a sort of vox pop down the high street, we'd have answers to that question along the line of, well, plenty of money, obviously. Um, A loving family, employment, holidays, maybe a longing for times of isolation away from all the busyness that forces us into us in life. I wonder what other things we would find if we asked those questions. However good all those things may be in and of themselves, we know, don't we, that circumstances will always arise in our lives where we'll feel betrayed by them. The money will go, we'll lose a job. The holiday we'd long for can't take place. So what is needed to live life in all its fullness? I think the books of Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes all point in one direction, to the importance of wisdom. Those wisdom books of the Old Testament, they approach the nature of wisdom from very different directions. And we certainly haven't got time to, to look at those this morning, but maybe another time. And this foundation of wisdom for a fulfilled life, we see too in the New Testament. Right at the start of Luke's record of Jesus' earthly life, he writes this in chapter 2. The child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and mankind. It's a description that's carried to its ultimate by the Apostle Paul at the start of 1 Corinthians. To those whom God has called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ the power of God and Christ the wisdom of God. Of God. Wisdom at the heart of what it means to live out a fulfilled life. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at 
what it means to apply wisdom in particular areas of our lives, in four different areas. But this morning, I want us to look more generally at the idea of wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, I guess we all have some idea of what wisdom looks like in our mind. But I have a suspicion that we recognize folly, the opposite of wisdom, more readily than we do wisdom itself. Um, I hope we've got a couple of pictures to come up. Yeah. Um, folly we tend to recognize more readily than wisdom. Come back to those in a minute. Folly shouts and grabs the headlines. You know, we'd, we'd hear the, the newspaper headlines of the guy out in the rain plugging two electrical cables together and, and the resultant um, mess that came from that. Um, baiting a crocodile, well, I don't know, I don't think I'd like to try it. But again, it would attract the headlines, wouldn't it, if somebody started doing something like that. On the other hand, wisdom often works very quietly and sometimes subversively in the background. The writer of Ecclesiastes, in his usual Eeyore way, writes this. There lived in that city a man who was poor but wise. He saved the city by his wisdom, but nobody remembered him. Wisdom working in the background. But what is wisdom? I think it's far more than understanding and knowledge. Going back to those pictures, we might know all there is about the rules of electricity and water. Wisdom means you don't try and tempt putting the two together in the same place at the same time. Similarly, I guess, with baiting crocodiles. Knowledge is knowing about, but wisdom is turning that into action. The classic description that I've heard used many times is that knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit, not a vegetable. Wisdom is knowing you don't put one in a fruit salad. In other words, wisdom is a doing thing. Simon was reminding of, of, uh, us of that last week when he was talking about faith. And he said, we do faith. It's not just something that's in us, but it works itself out. And the same is true of wisdom. We may have understanding, but wisdom says we need to apply that. And wisdom gives us the tools for making sense of what is in front of us and how we act. One theologian puts it like this. Wisdom's relationships, like those of human beings, are conceived as more than mental or intellectual, spiritual or psychological in nature. Wisdom's relationships are tangible, tactile, earthly, and bodily. And if you read your way through Proverbs, you'll see exactly what that theologian was getting at. It's all down to earth. It's all the everyday stuff, the muddledness of our normal lives that Proverbs speaks of. 
And one of the striking things in Proverbs is the way it suddenly, and almost mid-verse at times, leaps from what we might call secular to spiritual and back again. Proverbs doesn't know anything about a sacred-secular split. God calls us to have wisdom in all areas of our lives. And it's God's means of enabling us to negotiate life successfully in God's fallen world. Wisdom gives us discernment in all sorts of areas, particularly where choices need to be made. Think of King Solomon. Solomon, when God says, what shall I give you? Solomon says, I want wisdom above all else. And God praises him for that. So God gives Solomon wisdom. And you remember the story about the two women who bring a baby to Solomon. They're arguing over whose baby it is because another baby has died during the night. One woman says, that's mine. The other says, no, that's mine. And Solomon is given a wise way of dealing with that, which immediately identifies who the true mother is. Discernment, when we have to make choices, that's where wisdom comes in. But wisdom also brings creativity. If the world is created in wisdom, we're called as co-creators to be involved in that act of creation. And we need wisdom to do that. It's that wonderful story in Exodus. Moses has been given that incredible picture of what the tabernacle is supposed to look like. Some of you would have given up as you work through chapter after chapter about this color and that color and the brass for that furnishings and the gold here and everything else. But there's a man called Bezalel, and God says to Moses, I've given him wisdom to do all of that stuff, to be able to turn that into a beautiful place to work. It's great, isn't it, having people who come up with big ideas. It's even better when you have those with wisdom who know how to actually turn those things into lived reality. Wisdom comes from a lifelong journey of growth and development. So in theory, wisdom improves with age. Just have a quick look around and see whether that's a true statement or not. <laughs> wisdom is not private. Proverbs describes wisdom as crying aloud in the streets. So wisdom is at the root of our public theology just as much as it is at the center of our personal holiness. One writer describes Proverbs as putting godliness into working clothes. It's a startling sort of description, isn't it? It puts godliness into working clothes. That day-to-day -day living as God's wisdom transforms us and helps us to move forward and make decisions. If you work through Proverbs, there's a whole bundle of things as to it points to as what wisdom constitutes. Instruction and training, understanding and insight, good sense, shrewdness, 
above all, the means by which we grow deeper with God and display God to the world around us. As we seek God's wisdom, as our lives and our actions and our thoughts are transformed by that wisdom, so the world around is given a picture of what God's wisdom looks like. Because that wisdom has particular characteristics. As the Apostle James reminds us in his letter, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, sincere. Wisdom is multifaceted. It's no wonder then that in our reading this morning, it's compared to jewels like rubies, that as you turn them, you see a different facet each time you turn the stone round. If that is wisdom, where does it come from? Well, ultimately, the source of all wisdom is God himself, as we've already looked at. And that's why James can also say to us, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given. If we lack wisdom, we go to the source of wisdom, to God himself. Wisdom is embedded in the created order in which we live. As we've noted, by wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. And in chapter 8 of Proverbs, there's one of my favorite pictures of God's creative activity. I'll leave you to go away and read it later on. It's in the second half of chapter 8 of Proverbs. But in those pictures that are given there, Madam Wisdom, and wisdom is always personified in Proverbs as female. Madam Wisdom says, I was there when God set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. I was there when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. There are some varieties in translation in that chapter, in those verses, and some of them are quite fascinating. One of them, wisdom is described as the artisan. He's gone out and framed all of this from the big idea. And one of them, it has this, I was there and I was always playing at his side. There's something playful about wisdom as well as it being serious, as well as it being applied in every area of our lives. This means we recognize that we live in a world which can be explained. A world that is ordered to a large degree but it's not a mechanistic world in which we live. We can't say, do this, and that will always happen, because there will always be exceptions. And it's usually in those exceptions where we need wisdom to know how to act and how to decide where we go. 
Job and his friends had made the mistake of thinking that it was a mechanistic world. Do this, and God will do this for you. Don't do that, and God won't do anything for you, and so on. That wasn't the right way of thinking. And to cure Job of his wrong thinking, God doesn't take Job to a detailed theology. Go to Job 38, and what do you find? Job's taken to a child's coloring book of animals to work his way through. That's the sort of wisdom that God gives us through the created order to recognize God's goodness and to act in addition with it. This rootedness in creation of wisdom lays behind the everydayness of Proverbs. The fact that it deals with people screaming at each other the fact that it deals, we're not quite sure what we do with money here or what happens if I begin to get money. What happens about alcohol? What happens about sex? And we'll be looking at those in the coming weeks. It leaps from one thing to another very quickly. But actually, isn't that like a life in which we have to make decisions? We're focusing on maybe a specific God thing that's come up in our prayer time this morning and then we're suddenly conscious that the pan is overflowing. And we're rushing from one thing to another. But wisdom is there to anchor us in those muddled times with a focus on God and his wisdom. Wisdom recognizes that very often we have to live with ambiguity Sometimes with decisions, there isn't a right or wrong answer. We have to make a choice as to which way we'll go. And that's beautifully illustrated in chapter 26 and verses 4 and 5. The writer says, Wisdom... Sorry, the writer says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Now, I'll leave you to take that one away over lunch and describe how you're going to interpret that and use it. But we live with ambiguity in our lives, and it's in those ambiguities as well that we need wisdom to know which direction to go in. Very often, we may be confronted with the same situation but a different context. And maybe we will make a different decision as to which way we go, depending on the context. And that's where we need wisdom in our lives to know when to do what. Wisdom comes from us being aligned with God's will in the Scriptures and trusting in his character. I was talking about Proverbs with one of our older church members last Sunday morning, and they immediately quoted from our reading this morning, I don't think they actually knew we were about to to, to go into this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Except it was the AV. It was quoted into me last week. One commentator ties that creative origin of wisdom with the same call to godly living. They write, you have to be godly to be wise. And this isn't because godliness pays, 
but because the only wisdom by which you can handle everyday things in conformity with their nature is the wisdom by which they were divinely made and ordered. That wisdom of God in creation becomes wisdom in our own lives as we co-create with God in the decisions that we take. Wisdom is multifaceted. It's down to earth. It's godliness in working clothes. Wisdom comes from the heart of the Creator, enabling us to live full lives in a complex, ambiguous world. But what part does Proverbs play in this? Well, let me read its own introduction from chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And there's plenty of those as you work your way through Proverbs, as we'll find over the coming weeks. We've already noted that Proverbs, as it works through, just takes a whole bundle of wisdom sayings and puts them together. Some of them are what we would call secular wisdom, some may be spiritual wisdom. And certainly the writers draw from all over the place, including the, the, the Proverbs and so on from some of the neighboring cultures. A great chunk of the book is probably taken from a book of Proverbs that come from Egypt. But that's all part of God's created wisdom in the world. We don't know why the book skips about like that. Maybe it's because we, they didn't want a sort of checklist of this is what you do in this situation, this is what you do here. You're left to mine the Proverbs to think for yourself and thereby to grow in wisdom. A common way of reading Proverbs, and the one that we will use here, is to actually go into it and mine it in particular areas of our living. And that's how we'll work on it over the next four or five weeks. We'll look at friendship, at anger, at alcohol, at work. That's great to do that. I think it's a valid way. But also sometimes I think it misses the muddledness that's there in Proverbs. And I think that actually is something which speaks very loudly into our lives, particularly in the, the hectic society in which we live today. We're rushing from one thing to another, and we need to have wisdom which can quickly switch. Well, Proverbs does that in spades. Some others suggest that we should read a proverb a day. Uh, I'll leave you to work on the rest of the slogan uh, that comes from that. The danger of this is that we don't see the contrast between the different advice that's being given. Just reading Proverbs 3 this morning might suggest that prosperity theology is in, and when we do well in wisdom, God will bless us with, with, with money and, and riches. We don't find that elsewhere in Proverbs, and so there's that ambiguity again that comes from reading across the border. Another way is to just go and read big chunks at a go. Just start at the beginning and keep going. 
And I don't know, is that a holiday task for you this year across the summer? Read your way through Proverbs, two or three chapters at a go. Don't worry about the minutiae that you've got there. Just look and see what the big picture is that comes from it. If you go into the National Gallery in London, you can go and stand right up against the picture of the Haywain, for example. And all you'll see is just a little sort of few inches square of, of maybe blobs of dark, which don't quite sort of make sense. And when we pick out a proverb a day, that might be where we are. But go back and stand against the other wall of the gallery and just look at the whole expanse of the picture. And everything begins to meld in and make sense. Reading Proverbs in chunks is a bit like that going back and standing against the opposite wall of the gallery and seeing everything in all its intertwined beauty. We'll need to bring our imagination when we read Proverbs because it's primarily written as poetry. It's not a do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. We're given pictures and our imagination needs to run riot into what it's going to teach us and show us. So what is needed to live life in all its fullness? Wisdom. Wisdom. A wisdom which comes from God and is rooted deeply in the created order and in lives that are given over to live God's way, letting the spirit of wisdom lead us and guide us. Proverbs can help us to grow in wisdom, but we need to work at it. A final thought from one writer. The heart of wisdom it's what is done with that knowledge in the daily round. The discernment of the appropriate relationship between what individuals have come to know and how they live. Wisdom means action. Godly action in a confused world. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you invite us to ask you for wisdom. Thank you that when Solomon asked for wisdom, you praised him for that and gave it to him. Lord, for each of us, in all the muddledness and all the ambiguities of our lives, speak your word of wisdom that we might have clear ideas about what you are calling us to in each and every situation. Amen.